You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge Knives. Now, Outdoor Edge has a large range of fixed and replaceable blade knives and game cleaning kits. Now, imagine this. You just shot a deer in the backcountry or an elk or whatever, and it's time to break it down right? It's hot. You're a long way from the truck. So time is a factor and you got to get the meat back to the truck. So there's no waste. Your blade becomes dull. So instead of having to stop and sharpen the blade, all you do is you take your outdoor edge knife, you push a button on the handle, the blade pops out, you put a new blade back in and you're back to work. You get back to the truck, there's no wasted meat, everybody wins. Now, if you want to find out more information about Outdoor Edge and their complete line of knives and game cleaning kits, all you have to do is go to OutdoorEdge.com and when you check out or you decide you want to purchase a knife, enter the discount code NATION30 and you're going to save 30% off of your purchase. That's NATION30 and that's OutdoorEdge.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast and this week's an interesting one because it's kind of an update on uh, I guess legislation if you will. So we talk about the sort of the latest news on the Great American Outdoors Act and which is uh, you know a national thing and then there's also a little bit of uh, relatively new news on the AEP land and and how that process is shaking out to, you know, as the ODNR works to acquire that land and, and how much of it they're they're working on purchasing or, or have the option to purchase and, and things like that. So a little bit of an update on those kind of things. So before we get into that, I want to talk about our sponsor, Monster Whitetail Grub. So Monster Whitetail Grub is a deer feed company. They're based out of Ohio. They try to source everything out of Ohio and it's getting to be deer season, right? It's not, it it feels like summer, right? With summer, but deer season's not that far away. We're starting to watch antler growth. And I know a lot of guys, you know, kind of that 4th of July weekend is when they get their cameras out, start watching to see what kind of deer they have on their property. So Monster Monster Whitetail Grub is a great way to do that. Deer love the stuff. We've had really, really good luck with it. So if that's something you want to try for getting deer in front of your cameras or something you'd like to try this fall, check them out. You can go to ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors. Keep it easy. 
That's where all of our, our sponsor information is, and you can get in touch with them and try out some of their stuff. And with that, let's get into the conversation. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? All right, guys, so we're on here, we're recording... What's new? Anything outdoor related new or, or not outdoor related new? Work still the same? Everything's good? Everything's good on my end. We're just trying to get ready. We're having Lily's birthday party today. She's turning five. So we're just trying to get everything situated today. It's Saturday morning. Wow. <laughs> so, One whole hand. Of One fingers. whole hand. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it, though. I don't have much outdoor-related. I've been running some trail cameras out at my property. been getting the same thing I always get, more does than I know what to do with, and little to no bucks. <laughs> so, no news there. Just same old, same old. Okay. Jeff, you? Anything? Not a whole lot, no. I haven't been out to check my trail cameras, and... I don't know, probably getting close to two months now. Um, just haven't, you know, I had surgery, so I wasn't able, physically able to get out there. And then just basically haven't gotten out there since. So sure. who knows what's on those? Jeff, yeah. they call that, not I haven't been able to check them. That's called, I've been letting my trail cameras soak for about two months now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. been letting them soak yeah <laughs> but yeah i uh i don't have any cameras out right now but i did see even without cameras i saw a doe with a fawn uh two nights ago walking along the the back of the neighbor's property because they mow all the way back to the the field behind our, that runs behind you know the couple houses right there and so you can see all the way back to the field edge and just between the the trees that are you know like in the fence row there we just caught a quick glimpse of a a doe with one fawn seemed pretty small from i mean from where we were but i mean it was getting around pretty good but it, it you know it looked kind of small from that distance but yeah. And the other I, thing, I go ahead, Jeff. Well, last Saturday, I just remembered I saw a monster buck on the side of the road, like, you know, standing there, you know, just right inside the woods on oh, really? uh, about a mile from my house um, in some property that's owned by the park district. You know, oh. it's not an open park, but there's property that's owned by the park district. And there was a huge, you know, I was uh in the passenger seat my wife was driving and i just happened to look over in the woods and like you know 10 feet into the woods stood this monster buck so maybe he'll wander over there you go so you could i mean obviously 
he's in velvet. So, you know, you could just tell from what antler growth he had so far or yeah, just yeah. a big body with, deer. Or... With the antler growth he had so far, I would have been happy to shoot him. Oh, wow. Uh, he was huge. Wow. You know, I, I was surprised how much antler growth he already had. Well, maybe you got a picture of him on your cameras that you've been letting soak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because <laughs> he he was big. Oh, that's cool. That's always fun to see. Yeah. The other thing I'm I'm still struggling with is this this dang Phragmites in my backyard. Like last year, I I thought I had it pretty well knocked back. You know, there was just a few shoots here and there, but man, this this year it came back strong. And I, I don't know that there's anything I'm starting to come to the realization that as long as my neighbors have it right across the fence, I, I don't, I think every year I'm going to be back. I don't think there's any way that I'm going to keep it off of my side of the fence and just let them have it. I, I think right. it just, it's too invasive. It spreads too quick from what I've read. It doesn't, really spread through seed it i mean it, it can obviously that's how it gets to new areas but uh, from michigan has put out and now a lot of it is kind of old but there's some you you know some youtube videos that are you know from the like michigan conservancy or things like that talking about how you know Phragmites invasion is is you know screwing up a lot of their wetlands and a lot of their coastal areas and they they talk about how it mostly spreads through the those root rhizomes and even like from place to place you know it's like a piece of that root rhizome breaks off and washes downstream and then is it you know just a a little piece of of root rhizome is able to reestablish in a new place but wow. so i i thought you know, like if I get this stuff knocked back on my side, because it doesn't really propagate through seed, you know, it should be fine. But man, it it's come back pretty thick in one area this year. I, I just, I, I guess too, I, I've got so much growing back there now. Because you guys remember when when I when we first moved into this place, it was a solid stand of Phragmites in there yeah nothing yeah. else right so i got all that knocked down we burned it it was kind of somewhat barren and i went back there and spread some clover seed just to try to get something else going in there and so there is quite a bit of clover in there but it, there's you know just like wild stuff came back in there but last year it was sparse enough to where I could see the little Phragmite shoots coming up and, you know, go back there and clip them off, spray them, you know. And I was able to keep it pretty well, you know, killed, knocked back, I guess. Well, this year the the wild stuff came back and it's pretty pretty thick. But then, like, it seems like all of a sudden, man, this Phragmites shot up above all of the, the, you know, the wild stuff that's growing back there. And I got a pretty, 
it's not like I'm going to be able to go in and nip off a, a, you know, a shoot here and there. It's like, I'm going to have to go in with a, with, you know, I don't know if I get a brush blade for my string trimmer or something and like clear an area again and try to spray it. And then, you know, I'm back to having sort of a big barren patch. Right. So I don't know. I'm thinking about, yeah, Go ahead. Jeff. I think your your best bet is you're gonna have to keep working at it and get yeah some other natural vegetation growing there that can at least try to compete. Yeah. You know, as you as something else comes there and you know establishes, it can at least try to push back. You know, the Phragmites. Yeah. I mean, I don't. It'll be difficult for sure. Yeah, so and I'm thinking. Have you have you tried just spraying it with like a like a high grade, you know, herbicide? Like, does that no? Kill I've just it, been or? I've just been using standard glyphosate. Mm-hmm. But like, are you buying like I, what's the word I'm looking for here? Are you mixing the glyphosate yourself? Are you buying concentrate or are you just Yes. I'm oh, well okay. I'm buying generic generic HDX glyphosate and mixing it and spraying it through, you know, with a pump sprayer. Right. And you can you can mix it as strong as you want then. So yeah. Yeah. That's basically and, well, what I'm I haven't, saying. I haven't been mixing it super strong because you know, the stuff grows where it's kind of wet and they, you know, glyphosate isn't really safe around water. Right. I mean, cause of it, right. it's, so I haven't been mixing it super strong. So that, mm-hmm. that's sort of, I've got two ideas, I guess, for long-term, uh, getting rid of it is, talking to my neighbors and seeing like, Hey, would you mind if I come in here and (laughs) spray a bunch of chemicals and try to tear all this stuff out? And so we can get rid of this stuff altogether is one. The other option is try to somehow dry out my side. Right. I mean, cause I think that it's not going to grow in dry ground it needs that wet, you know, moist in order to, to send those rhizomes out, I think. And so, you know, that's one way to stop it. So I don't know if I put a, a French drain under there to like dry the ground out and get the water off of the surface to where it can get below the surface. I don't know, but I don't like having it back there and it's, <laughs> it's winning at the moment. So these yeah. are my struggles. Yeah, I mean, I know it's tough to deal with, especially in your situation where you don't. I mean, because people who have access to, you know, get rid of the whole stand have trouble. You know, it comes back year after year. Right. Where you have, you know, only access to, you know, two thirds of it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. Talking to the neighbors might be might be an option. I don't know how you know how receptive they obviously they don't 
care about it. They probably don't even know it's an invasive, you know, plant species. But, uh, right. you know, they don't use the area. It's, they, they don't do anything with it. But, I don't know. Those are kind of what I'm thinking. I guess probably trying to treat their side of the fence would probably be a cheaper first step if, if they would be okay with it versus like, you know, spending money on, on installing a French drain. And while it's not too terribly expensive, if I do the digging myself, it, you know, it's work, it's a project. So, but the other thing, I guess, is uh, we've got some stuff to update all of our listeners on the Great American Outdoors Act. And it we saw some stuff on Facebook about the, the AEP land, you know, moving in the direction of becoming, pub, I guess, becoming actual public land, right? It's sort of been treated as public land, but was actually private land owned by AEP, right? Right. So, I don't know, anybody want to take a crack at running through the, the current state of the Great American Outdoors Act? The latest news on that? Uh, I mean, I guess I can quickly run through what I was able to... I mean, anyone's able to, if you really want to read all the legal jargon... I mean, you can pull it up and it's public information. You can pull up the Great American Outdoors Act Senate bill and it'll you can read through all the details. But um, in general, kind of what it is, is it's a movement to ensure funding because in the past, specifically the past few years, um, President Trump has kind of gutted the land and water portion of the budget to pay for other things. Um, from some of the quick research I did, it was like up to like 95 to 98% of that money was pooled and used for other things for his budget. Um, you know, for the national budget that he has to put out every year. So basically it's going to ensure that that money is kind of locked in earmarked, so to speak. Uh, that money comes from, it's already the system's already set up basically that the money that comes from oil basically coming off offshore drilling for oil um i don't have the exact number in front of me but it's some astronomical number of billions of dollars that comes from that the revenue from offshore drilling um and they're basically they're earmarking i think it was 900 million dollars um a year has to be used for preserving and working on projects and that kind of stuff backlogs. Cause there's been a backlog of national park projects, um, public land projects, that's trail maintenance. That's different things. Um, a lot of it being out West cause that's where the majority of our public land is, but there is stuff, you know, that affects us here on the Eastern half of the United States also. Um, and it's, I mean, we're talking big, big dollars. I think it was $900 million a year up to like $2.6 has to be 
kind of delegated to that over the next few years in order to get caught up on all the backlog of projects. Um, so in general, I mean, there's from what I was able to read, there's really no bad or wrong um, part of this bill. I mean, if you're a public land lover, um, the only, I guess, downside from the political point of view is that it's pooling that money and forcing it to be used on our public lands versus paying for other things, whatever they decide, you know, whatever the administration at the time decides is most important. So it's great for public lands. It's great for, you know, the preservation and repair of our public lands, national parks, all that stuff, BLM land. Um, but it could potentially, from what I read, some of the critics say increase our debt which our national debt, which I don't know at this point, I feel like that's almost an arbitrary number. They treat it that way. At least <laughs> it's just a joke. It's <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So that's the critics that I read is that now that we're forcing this money into the national parks, it's not going to be spent on other things, which is just going to cause us to increase our national debt. But um, the proponents of it are saying basically that this work needs to be done and by continuing to preserve or pro postpone it all we're doing is putting that burden on our future generations so we might as well tackle it now to preserve it forever basically so. right and this bill got i mean a lot of bar bipartisan support right yeah yeah i mean the only the only critic that I saw, like the main people that didn't support it, it falls on kind of personal political lines versus national, like Texas didn't support it because they're going to lose out on a lot of their oil money that they're now keeping to themselves, basically, <laughs> because it's going to be well, forced to be used yeah. for national projects instead of Texas projects. Yeah, um, and also Ted Cruz is not a big fan of public land public land right you know he's right. been quoted in the past saying i don't even know what but basically that you know some small percent of texas is public lands and that's you know like one percent public land and that's one percent too much or something like that yeah. yeah um i mean without getting into a super political conversation in general the republican side of things is more privatized um private ownership more that type of thing versus democrats are more of a how do i word this a public what's best for the national good type thing i guess is how they like to view themselves um so some of your very strong republicans don't see any reason to have public land because we don't quote unquote take care of it anyhow so let the rich people buy it and own it and take care of it it's kind of the impression i get <laughs> um that's by no means my stance i'm all for public lands but there is some opposition but it was pretty strong from the senate i want to say it was uh, i don't even remember it was like 70 i've got it here 7325 7325 okay so yeah, and from everything I read, it said basically that it's the Senate was the 
hurdle. Uh, they're expecting it to f- blow through the house, I guess, is what I read. Um, and the president has already said he's going to sign it. So, um, assuming this all happens before our president possibly changes in the fall. But um, the impression I get is that they're expect. I think the House said they were expecting to vote on it by July 4th. Or at least introduce it by July 4th so that. And from what I read, it's anticipated that the House will pass it. It's already got a lot of support through the House. That's so, cool. Yeah. And there's a little I did find there's a little bit of political, which whatever, a little bit of political backing to it. Two of the main um, sponsors of the bill on the Republican side happen to be in heated races where they're not favored to win re-election. So there's some argument that by passing this, it's going to show that the Republicans do care about public land and they're out West. It's like Colorado and Utah or some, one of those two states out there. Um, so there's a little, but as with everything, there's a little bit of political positioning, but if it's benefiting public lands, um, I think it's Randy Newberg who puts it, you know, he's from the party of public lands. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, I, I don't, I'm not red or blue. I'm what's best for wildlife and public lands and access. So if it's benefiting us as outdoorsmen. I don't really care which side of the aisle it falls on. Yeah. I, uh, I thought this was pretty cool. I, I you know, in, doing a little bit of homework for this, I saw that I had an email from Senator Rob Portman. I mean, his office, I guess, his team or whatever. Uh, but because I had emailed him at one point saying, you know, I, I support the Great American Outdoors Act and, you know, I, I'd encourage you to do the same, yada, 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 which apparently got me on a email list. So with this latest news, they sent his office sent me an email saying, uh, basically, you know, well, it starts off as an avid outdoorsman and conservationist. I share your passion for protecting our national parks and public lands. I wanted to update you on steps. The Senate has recently taken to better preserve and maintain our national parks and public lands by passing landmark bipartisan conservation legislation. That's a mouthful. The great American (laughs) outdoors act. So, you know, June 17th, the Senate passed with my support the Great American Outdoors Act by an overwhelmingly bipartisan vote of 73 to 25. And, you know, he goes on to to talk about, uh, you know, this will help address the more than $20 billion in deferred maintenance across our national parks and other federal lands, provide permanent funding for the Land and Water Conservation Fund, LWCF, and... He says, I'm glad the president has embraced this legislative effort, and I look forward to the House of Representatives passing this legislation so it can be signed into law. And he talks he talks a little bit more in here about uh, the Restore Our Parks Act, which I honestly hadn't heard about. But he said the Great American Outdoors Act includes my legislation with, and he lists off a couple of other senators from Virginia, Tennessee, uh, so it includes my legislation, the Restore Our 
Parks Act to address the more than $12 billion backlog in long-delayed maintenance projects at the National Park Service, including over $100 million in deferred maintenance at Ohio's eight national park sites. Specifically, the bill will establish the National Park Service Legacy Restoration Fund to reduce the maintenance backlog by allocating half of the annual unobligated revenues the government receives from on and offshore energy development on federal lands of up to $1.3 billion per year for the next five years. So, again, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess just for local sake, you know, we are an Ohio podcast. Um, Both of our senators did vote for this, so... You know, like you said, Portman, and I'm not sure who the other senator is. I'm sorry, but I did I did see um, a graphic that showed. I don't know who put it out. It might have been BHA, but someone who like showed a picture of the whole country, and it showed whether both senators, one senator, or zero of your senators voted for it. No. Okay. Um, in Ohio, both of our senators were in support of it. Yeah. So. Maston's Deer Sense as. The name implies it's a deer scent company. They collect everything on stainless steel, which prevents any off scents or off flavors getting into the into the scent. Stainless steel is very clean. It's that's why it's used in medical applications. So they collect on stainless steel, and scent is a great way to get deer in front of your cameras to watch antler growth. So if you don't want to try the the feed I mentioned in the Monster Whitetail Grub ad, you can check out Mastins. Mastins is another great way to get deer in front of your camera, and it's a great way, it's a great hunting tool. So this fall, if you're looking to add something to your arsenal, check out Mastins Deer Sense. They've got a lot of cool options. They've, of course, got your standard liquid scent, but they've got scented gel crystals. They've got deer-scented candles. They've got their double scent stacker, which allows you to layer two scents. So a lot of interesting things, and the and the prices are honestly really, really good. That's one of the reasons I, I like having them as a sponsor. So with that, check them out. If you're interested in that, go to mastinsdeersense.com or ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors. Like I said, that's where all of our sponsor information is. Go to their website, order their product, and they'll ship it right to your house. Now, let's get back into the conversation. It's pretty amazing, I mean, to think that there's a there's a hundred million dollar backlog in deferred maintenance at just Ohio's national parks. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah, pretty good as it is, but just imagine, you know, if they were fully funded. Right. And it's Ohio's national parks. That's what this says, yeah. Okay. Well, because there's I mean, there's only one official national park which is Cuyahoga the Cuyahoga Valley and then there's like national monuments or whatever which are in the you know in the same category but like you know only one of them is really large land area which is the Cuyahoga Valley National Park so it's not you know it's not like there's a bunch of parks that are you know that money's being divided up among you know amongst yeah that's a, that's a good point because i was i had lumped like wayne in there but that's a national forest that's different right right so yeah 
<clears throat> Let me see. Is there anything else in here that... Uh, uh, I, yeah. Well, it says, I worked with my colleagues to expand my Restore Our Parks Act in the Great American Outdoors Act to provide up to $1.9 billion per year for five years to address the maintenance backlog across all federal lands, including the National Park Service, U.S. Forest Service, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Bureau of Land Management, and the Bureau of Indian Education. So, All right, so there may be some, some of those sites maybe in those other categories yeah yeah so yeah that's all cool and interesting stuff um and then you guys had seen like i mentioned earlier that there might be some news on uh, progress on the aep purchase what were you able to find on that yeah the uh state controlling board the state budgetary board um had has approved the the funding for the uh, first phase of land acquisition. Um, Should Jeff, can you if you think you can do it? Can you back up for anybody that isn't aware or maybe missed some of our earlier content on on AEP? Can you sort of summarize the 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 backstory to this to how we okay. got to this recent information? Yeah, I mean, do you want me to go back to how the AEP lands kind of started and go from there? or Wherever you think, yeah, if you can yeah. do just so, a quick sort of high level. Uh, the AEP uh, reclamation lands, um, it was land that was strip mined by AEP, and part of the reclamation process, they... Uh, had to restore the land. They had to basically keep the land and restore it over a period of time. I can't really remember how long right now. Um, but in that process, they opened this land up to public recreation. Um, it has a lot of lakes. Um, the Buckeye Trail runs through there. There's a lot of horse riding trails, hiking trails. Because the... Well, the, the, the reclamation part like they weren't doing anything with it other than sort of reestablishing vegetation on the on the ground right right yeah yeah they were all they were doing was what they were required to by law to yeah to basically reclaim the land as something other than a strip mine site right um it's now getting to the point where they can sell this land um, that has now been used as public land for 50 plus years. Um, and they offered it to the state first to purchase, at least in large scale. They've sold off some other small pieces prior to this, um, but in large scale they offered it to the state first to purchase um and the states agreed to purchase uh i think it's a little bit over 31,000 acres uh currently and uh it's going to be i think correct me if i'm wrong but i think it's 47 
million dollars is what the price tag will be for those acres. I can't uh, correct you because I don't know. Okay, I, I think <laughs> I think that's right. I um, it it comes out to be about uh one thousand five hundred dollars an acre. Okay. Um, but the the state controlling board has released the funds to the Ohio Department of Natural Resources, I guess, not the Division of Wildlife, but yeah, Department of Natural Resources uh, to purchase the land. Um, they're not going to pay for all of it in one lump sum. It's uh, going to be a uh, like a payment plan, sort of, but the, the money has been set aside to purchase the land. Okay. Um, the other thing, just to make people aware of, is that this they this purchase of thirty one thousand acres isn't all of the land. All of the current land that's being used is public recreation land. Um, the state has another three years, I think, to purchase up to another, I think, 18,000 acres. Um, so, and I, I think get the price tags roughly around the same price per acre. So at with the current money that's set aside, um, the state will be able, is going to buy, I think it's around 55% of the, the total lands. And so that is... That's what they're discussing currently, not not the additional option right. over the next three years. Right. With, with the money that's been set aside currently, um, it's to, to buy about 55% of the current, current lands. So, dude, if, if the state buys everything that they're everything that they possibly can let's say you know money is is there it's it's funded whatever do they have the ability to buy everything that's been that's currently being used as public land i don't think so at least i don't think that they're they're necessarily talking about that okay um and i i know that Pieces are, I mean, small portions are currently being sold. You know, like, you know, 10 acre chunks, like small portions, you know, are are already have been sold off. Um, just on, I don't, on the private market. Yeah, just on the private market. I don't I don't know if it was you know, some sort of deal with adjacent landowners or exactly how that all worked. But there has been some small chunks be sold off on the private market. Because I would imagine if those, you know, if it's, it's on the open market, anybody can buy them. I would imagine those are going for far more than $1,500 an acre. I mean, I don't yeah, know I would, that for a fact, but like, it I seems would assume like, so as well. I mean, 
depending on the size, you know, of the, the properties, you know, if you, if you divvy it up in the small chunks for sure, you know, if you're looking at chunks of a hundred, a thousand acres, you know, you, it might not be going for much more, you know, that's a, that's a big investment for a chunk of land, basically, you yeah. know, when you, when you buy in that kind of bulk, you typically do get some sort of discount. Sure. Um, but I, I think with with everything the state's been offered, you know, to buy or is somewhat in a contract to buy or at least has the opportunity to buy, you know, with the 18,000 additional acres, it would be like 85% of the land. Okay. Um, and I, I would assume, I don't know this for a fact, but I would assume that probably some other public entities are being offered portions of land to buy. Um, or at least other, like the Wilds is in that area. It was established on reclaimed land. So I would assume that they're probably offered some land to uh you know extend their boundaries right you know the land that's adjacent to them i'm sure that they're being offered i don't know that but i would assume and i would assume that they would be interested in it um because the other kind of benefit other than public recreation for buying this land is it provides a really good research opportunity um on how the reclamation process and the renaturalization of these strip mines kind of works. Mm, um, okay. You know, that's where I did my senior research uh, in college was, it was actually on property owned by the wilds. Um, and kind of in hindsight, you know, I got some weird results Um that at the time I couldn't really figure out exactly why they were happening, but I was basically getting very, in some of the streams, I was doing a study on stream fish and some of the streams I was getting very odd fish in the streams. You know, they weren't what I was expecting to find. Um, what I basically found in some of the streams were your typical pond fish you know i was finding bass and bluegill and catfish um you know bullheads in you know small streams and no real native fish that you would expect to find in this habitat and at the time i just was like you know kind of wrote it off as strange and that Perhaps it was being used as kind of a nursery area for uh, these game fish. Um, but now I realized that what it was, was those streams had been completely destroyed in the past, you know, completely tore up and then recreated. And the only, there was probably some sort of physical barrier that prevented fish from swimming up that stream you know, the native fish from stream going up that stream. And the only thing above that stream was stocked ponds. 
that had game fish in them. So there was okay. no native stream fish, you know, that could utilize that because they couldn't get there. Hmm. You know, so it it's a, a very good place for research. And while Ohio doesn't have, you know, many other locations like this of strip mining, um, there's a lot of other places around the country and around the world that can use this information that is being gained from this property. Yeah, like, well, I think West Virginia does a fair bit or has done a fair bit of strip mining still, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, West Virginia, and I mean, uh, not just, you know, there's strip mining done for not only just coal, but copper and, you know, other metals. So there's a fair a fair bit of it around the country and there's definitely a lot of it around the world. Okay. All right. So that's good though. It sounds like, I mean, while it might not all end up as, as public hunting and fishing land, it it sounds like it, a fair bit of it will hopefully, I mean, at the very least, it seems like that those uh, 55% or whatever you said is, is definitely going to be, and hopefully that other that other uh, you know additional 30 35% or whatever is is going to be as well it it uh, it doesn't sound like there's you know going to be thousands of acres available for the private market to buy i mean cuz i know any kind of uh, person that likes to hunt and fish is definitely going to be interested in that land, but I would imagine there's there would even be, you know, business entities that would be interested in setting up, you know, a lodge or some kind of... Uh, right, right. That was my... Again, nothing against people, you know, I don't know, taking opportunities and being successful, but I'm encourage that it's not going to be bought up by outfitters and that kind of stuff and increase kind of that part of hunting presence in Ohio. Yeah. Not that I'm anti outfitter, but it's nice. I, I get a warm fuzzy feeling knowing that the majority of it's going to remain public accessible land. And it sounds like the parts that maybe won't are just going to be little, small extensions of neighboring properties or like Jeff was saying, maybe the wilds will purchase some, which even though it's not true public hunting land, it does provide opportunity for improving the better good of the public through research and whatever else thing. So, yeah. All right. Well, I I don't have anything else to add on that. So if you guys are good, you don't have anything else to touch on. I think we Shut it off. Yeah, I think think I'm good. Okay, so that's going to do it for this week. Before I let you go, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed, I'd encourage you to do so. That way you get automatically notified anytime there's a new episode. Do one episode a week. So get your little fix of Ohio hunting news or, or, you know, just an update on on what we're up to so 
With that, I will let you go. Follow us on Facebook, Ohio Huntsman. Follow us on Instagram, Ohio Huntsman underscore podcast. And reach out to us. We like hearing from you and interacting with you. So hopefully you're having a good summer, as, as I guess as good as it can be with the, you know, given the current state of the world. And hopefully you're starting to think about fall. Enjoy the rest of your week. And I will talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening.